0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Dr. Phil. I need you to subscribe to the Humanity Matters podcast. Subscribe today. Send me an email, humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. And let's remember to share love, be kind, be generous. How's everybody doing? Good, good. A little under the weather, but we'll power through. Uh, It's good to see everybody today, beautiful faces. Uh, Dan uh, Allen asked me to speak about uh, homelessness and poverty, and he put dot, 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 but I'll try to keep it uh, uh, to homelessness and poverty. So I just want to thank uh, Rotarians for this opportunity to be able to speak. Uh, Our mission is to enrich lives locally and internationally through service, education, networking, and leadership. Service above self. Or as Martin Luther King said, uh, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Everybody in here has the potentiality to be great. Because all of us in here are united to be able to serve. Service above self. So us as human beings, we are amazing. Did you know that each and every one of you in this room, sitting at this table, are dynamically unique and remarkable? You've never been told that before. You may have not been told that growing up. You may have never heard that. But the reality is, the truth is, each and every one of us in this room, are unique, remarkable, and we're unrepeatable. We're that way because God made us in his image and likeness. We are that way, unique, unrepeatable, remarkable, because God made us in his image and likeness. God is only doing what he saw in himself. He is unique, he is unrepeatable, and he is infinitely Remarkable. It's shared between himself, the Son, and Jesus Christ. He's gonna be a little Christian here, so bear with me. But the reality is, each and every one of you here, regardless if you are a Christian or not, each and every one of us in here is unique, remarkable, and unrepeatable. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of where you were born, regardless of how your ancestors got here, regardless of how much you have right now in your bank account, regardless of your occupation, each and every one of you, this does not change. Each and every one of you in here is unique, unrepeatable, and remarkable. Look at the person next to you. Look in their eyes for a minute. What you see is someone you will never see again. There will never be another Amy Prince. There will never be another Jessica Crone. There will never be another Bryce or Bob. Bob being here on this earth for those 80 years was remarkable. And there will never be anyone like him again. And so all of the experiences that he brought, all the experiences that Amy brings, Jessica brings, Bryce brings, every experience that each and every one of you brings in your home, your workplace, in the city, in Rotary is remarkable. And it will never happen again. So the Declaration of Independence says that we're all created equal. We're endowed with our creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That these were endowed to us by our creator. All people. Now there are some people who are not in this room. Poor people, homeless, are not in this room. But those men, women, and children in our county, those 964 odd homeless men, women, and children, and the number of poor persons that are in our city and county, they are just like you. Unique. Remarkable, unrepeatable. And so at the foundational level, you are no different than the man or woman who is standing out there at the corner, getting on to the 40 or coming off the 40. They are as unique as you are. They are as remarkable as you are. They are unrepeatable as you are. You are no different than the man or woman who holds their sign up on that corner and is asking for some change. Hear me Rotarians, service above self. You are no different than a man or woman who is standing at Bethlehem House or at the women's shelter. You are no different than the man that stays at the Hope Home. You are no different than the men and the women that are gonna be in the Conway Ministry Center warming station in a few days. You are no different. These men, women, and children have the same desire as you do, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so the question becomes, How do we as Rotarians aid men and women and children? How do we come alongside men, women, and children so that they can experience the opportunity of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Now, in the work that I do, I've been up and down with the city proper in our response to the poor and homeless in our city. It's gonna get a little bumpy right here, but it's gonna get better. There are times when we stand and we are shining for the poor and the homeless, especially during this time of the year. Everybody feels a little bit more charitable and, and generous and wants to give. But what about the other 11 months of this year? They are still there. They are still present. They are still in need. They still have wants and desires similar to everyone else in this room. What opportunities do we have as Rotarians to respond in this city? Because then there are other times when fear becomes an obstacle. Safety becomes an obstacle. Our own interests become an obstacle. An obstacle to what? To be compassionate to the men, women, and children who are in need. So when I say compassion, what do I mean? Compassion means this. Compassion is made up of two words. To suffer with. And so when I hear Mark, announced that he has a need. What I am doing is this, I want to enter into his suffering. Jesus described it this way, that there was a man who was going down the road, and he fell upon thieves, and he was robbed and left for dead, and then a Levite came by, and a priest came by, but then the Samaritan came by, and he got down off of his horse, and he entered into the suffering. of the injured person. Compassion, this activity, this human experience that we have, is us individually or us as a group, as rotarians, getting into the suffering of others. Well we do it, don't we? World polio day? Do we not send funds for vaccinations so that children in other nations can experience this vaccine that can rid them of polio? Are we not involved with it in terms of clean water? Compassion is us enter in to the suffering of others internationally. But what does that mean, Rotarians, that when we enter in compassion with a man, woman, or child who's right here in 7203? Four seven two zero three two. what does that look like? And events are great, projects are great, but what will that compassion look like on a daily basis? What will that compassion look like the other 11 months of the year and not just traditionally Thanksgiving to the end of this year? Compassion, Rotarians, is our opportunity to enter in to the suffering of other men, women, and children here in our city. And we can be leaders in that. And so there can be obstacles to compassion, private property, business interests safety, security. These are things that I've heard over the years. Oh, there's homelessness, but we need a shelter. Well, my business interests. We need a shelter, we have homeless. Oh, but you know, those homeless persons, they commit crimes, they're just gonna do drugs. When actually, if you study homelessness, The majority of homeless persons on the street are not there because of crime and drugs. It's more so because of divorce, abuse, health issues, overwhelming medical bills that put them out on the streets. I've met men and women who have graduated from UCA with degrees on the streets. these things that we talk about, crime, drugs, alcohol, are second and third order outcomes of something that put them on the street. And so let's keep, again, an opportunity of being compassionate, how? By understanding the experience of these men and women and children who are going through this on a daily basis because nobody wants to suffer alone, am I correct? It's heightened in sickness, we see suffering. Heightened in nursing homes and hospice, we see suffering. But the men, women, and children out there, the beautiful thing is to be acknowledged, I see you. The second beautiful thing is not only did I see you, but I want to understand who you are, what's your name, and what is it that you are going through, and how can I help? So we acknowledge the suffering of others by entering into the suffering of others. So, Rotarians, what's true? These are these questions we ask ourselves at the end of this meeting, right? What's true? What is true? What is true is this is that each and every one of us, regardless of our social, economic, political, ethnic divisions that us as a society, we divide ourselves on. At the end of the day, each and every one of us are human beings made in the image and likeness of God, full of dignity and worth. Nothing can ever take that away. And so I say to each and every one of you, you're beautiful. Look to the person next to you and tell them they're beautiful. Tell them. (laughs) So what you have said to the person in this room is true. They are beautiful. They are remarkable. That's part of the four-way test. But not only is it true, but are we being fair to all concerned? And what do I mean by being fair to all concerned? I want to encourage each Rotarian in here individually and then us as a group to act daily, compassionately, To freely say, hey, you know what? I see that man or woman or that child and I'm going to choose to help them. I don't need to put a gun to your head. I don't need to threaten you. I don't need to guilt you. I want you to be moved by the truth. That they've been made in the image and likeness of God, that they're beautiful just like you are, that you are connected. I think I heard Bryce say that. And we're connected how? Because we've been made in God's image and likeness. So that's fair to all concerned. It's fair to all concerned because I'm going to choose to do something freely and be a blessing. And then at some point, it's going to be fair to the person that's receiving that blessing because now they have the opportunity to do something in return. It is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. So is it True. Is it fair? So, as Rotarians, we need greater acts of compassion in order to con- in- cultivate environments of goodwill and friendship. It's the third question. So, as we act as Rotarians individually and as we act as a group nationally and internationally, we are creating environments of good will. But not just goodwill. friends. Sign language means friend. Connected, bound together, serving one another. That as we act as Rotarians, Locally with the poor and homeless and far and abroad, we should have in our mindset, how are we not only cultivating goodwill, but who are going to be my friends? And friends have shared experiences. And you know how you know you have a friend? Not when times are good, but in times of suffering. And so finally, how will this be beneficial to all concerned? It'll be beneficial to all concerned because each and every one of us, as we act compassionately, we're going to discover how deep and true we are as human beings. Arrhenius, an old church father, he said this, the glory of God is man fully alive. And when are you fully alive? When you're helping someone else. How are you fully alive when you are demonstrating that four letter word, love? And if we do that as Rotarians, as we act compassionately in love, we're gonna answer daily those four questions about truth, fairness, goodness, and friendship and being a benefit to all. And so as Rotarians, be great, pursue greatness. Pursue greatness individually and as a group, pursue greatness how? By serving, not just one another, but those who do not look like you, who have as much as you. And in doing so, we will be living out not just in words, but in actual deeds, what is true and how is a benefit for all. Thank you very much. You got any questions? Because I like questions. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. What's your, I always, everybody asks me a question, I like to say, say your name. Oh, Jack. Yes, say your name. We
1: all see these that stand on the street corners, and we help some and we don't help others or whatever. From your perspective, what is the best way to help the homeless in general?
0: Yeah, so what I've learned in in 12 years, um, to be able to help a homeless in general is not possible. Why? Because each homeless person has a unique experience, all right? Uh, The majority of persons who are homeless, uh, they do not want to be in that situation, all right? What they lack is knowledge. Uh, What they lack is knowledge in regards to resources that are available. If you really think about it, If we did self-reflection, this is the answer to your question. I, if I didn't do the work that I did, I really would not have a knowledge of the resources available to me in regards to homelessness, food, pantries, so on and so forth. I, why would I think about it? Is that on the front of my mind? Like, I would not be thinking about Renewal Ranch. I just wouldn't be. I'm not... Wrestling with drugs or any type of addiction, it's never going to be on the front of my mind. My wife does the grocery shopping. I'm not thinking about food pantries. So when a situation occurs, for instance, we get I get sick, we end up on the street. My question is going to be, where do I get food? Because that's never been on the forefront of my mind or my experience. So knowledge about resources is helpful. But beyond that is Jacqueline, as essential as this, is who are you? Your name? How did you end up here? It would not be fair, second question of our four-way test, for me to walk up to you, see you in your situation, and say, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G for you. I equate that to going up to my 21-year-old son and tying his shoes every day. I have disrespected his agency, his human agency, his ability to think for himself, to understand his situation, and to provide some insight as to what is needed. So as I meet with you, I met you at the laundromat right here next to uh, Walgreens because it's cold, right? Or I've met you out on the street corner in front of Walgreens or CVS, okay? Or I've met you at the library because you've been fumbling on the internet for right now, but you know, when it's closed, you're gonna be out under the awning, all right? I say, okay, so tell me your story. And then I ask, what is it that you need? Because you know what you need better than what I could ever know. I am respecting you as a human being because that's the same respect that I would want as a human being. And what I'm essentially saying is this, we have to move from viewing the poor and the homeless as projects. They are not this. I sit in this cup here, it's going to remain there. I am in complete control over the existence of this cup. Complete control. And the use of this cup. But if I were to do that to you, you know what that's called? Slavery. So in our, and I I, I always say this to myself, right? I have to always remember that when I am speaking with someone in an experience like that, this is another human being just like me and just like I want to be heard. I want to give this individual the opportunity to be heard. Then from there, we come together and we figure it out together. And here's the other thing in our we want it now culture, it doesn't happen overnight. We don't make decisions, every one of our decisions, we don't make quickly, am I correct? There's some decisions we make where we're like, well, let me get back to you on that. Let me think about that. What am I willing to trade off, right? We have some who have animals. That's been their companion for years. And there are some who are not willing to give up their animals. I mean, our facility, our house is not equipped to take animals. Okay? And I've had men come, they've had their dog they've been on the street with for years, they know that they have to give up the dog if they want to come in, they make the free choice that they would rather keep their companion, that living being they've established a long-term relationship with over and against a house. Can you blame them? Think about it for a second. That's been your only companion, the only being who has recognized you and has given you some level of affection. How many people have pets in here? How many of you like really value your pets? It's no different. And so now you're asking me to give up the one being who's acknowledged me all this time. I, oh shoot! See, they just rejected a the resource. They had it right there. You see what you see? What can happen? When the fact is, it's like I'm asking you to like, you want this? Give up your husband or wife? So I answer that to say, each situation is different, um, and that's why case management is very helpful. Because case management or one-on-one conversations, it digs deep into these individual experiences. Because if I could go, I could take probably a couple of days and go around this room and the number of experiences that is in this room and every solution would be completely different. So that's the answer to your question. And so it's hard work. It is, because you're dealing with another human being and negotiating their situation, and it's tension with you want to do something. We don't like to see people suffer, right? But they have a vote in it, if you will. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So, with my children, um, when we got started, uh, it was just me, my wife, and the three of them. So they were nine, seven, and six at the time, uh, 12 years ago. And uh, they saw a lot of how people were living um, and hearing people's stories, uh, especially with my son, I would take him with me when I would go visit people, uh, especially when we started out in the Oakwood trailer park, and he would just sit and listen, right? And, Uh, hear people's stories. So I think that's the best way with kids. And then as they mature and, you know, everything that's associated with a child, right, you give them uh, more opportunities uh, corresponding to their capacity to do things, to to interact with people who are in suffering. Um, You know, even in your home, uh, when one kid is suffering, y'all can have a discussion about it. Like, hey, sibling was going through this. What did you think about that? How can you pray for your sibling? How can you help siblings? So obviously it starts in the home, and then you can expand it out uh, to there as well. Um, but then also encourage them to get involved you know, in a nonprofit that you've been working with or at your church or um, some type of service group at the, at the school level as well. Uh, because you know, the gener- the ch- our children, the generation, is going to carry this on. And so we have to continue to expose them to opportunities to be ultimately uh, sympathetic Um, and then in some cases being empathetic. Uh, But that empathy comes because they've experienced something similar. Yes, ma'am. Back to the um, street corner folks. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I see the same ones on the same
1: corners. Mm -hmm. In your experience, knowledge, working with everyone, are those people truly in the, and or, and or homeless, or, or have they figured out a way to build the system? Yes. <laughs> what do you see the
0: most of Yes, so um, there are, in any group, you're gonna have persons that are representative of that group in terms of their actions, uh, a person who is actually in need, all right? And then you can have persons within that same group who are um, no. acting in a way that is on the face in alignment with that group, but is actually contrary to that group. That's in any group. You look at your political parties, you got your cool ones, you got your like, wow, you just went off the reservation. Am I right? Like any group, you're going to have the normal persons who are in line with that group, and then you're going to have those that are like, why are you here? You're messing it up for everybody else. All right? What has happened in this case, for many of us, and, and I've seen this in discussions on Facebook, on Ask Conway, and all of that kind of stuff. People get on there and talk about it, right, in regards to panhandlers. People take the outliers and judge the whole group. And in doing so, it harms those who are out there actually in some type of need. Now, those who are in actually some type of need, those are persons uh, who are out there trying to get a hotel stay every night. Is it the most economical? It's not, right? But um, the situation is organizations, they have limited amount of funds, right, to help. So if you don't get there in enough time, you got to wait a whole another month to try to apply again. So those other, you know, 27 days, I got to be out there on the street corner, getting a hotel a night, sixty dollars, sixty one dollars, you know, every night. Other places have, you know, paperwork requirements because they got accountability, right? Uh, they got to account for these funds in such a way that can only disperse so much, right? And you need paperwork, you need birth certificate, driver's license, so on and so forth, but you got some persons out there who are just traveling through. Or you've got some persons that are out there who've been here a while, they don't have like a driver's license, ID, birth certificate, but to get that stuff is in another state. And so they need the money, they need the, money the access to call back to a Michigan or a California to get that information Then I can go to organization A, B, and C and get the help. That's all the stuff that's going on that many of us don't see because it's tempered by, think about it, right? I want to give to an organization that does well with its money, right? One of the ways organizations got to do well with their money, they want to account for how it's spent, right? They got to budget that out. Right? So they only have so much they can help in a year, in a month. So I can't help everybody. So we want organizations to be accountable with that money. So that impacts their decisions of how they give that money out to help people who are on the streets. So you have people out there. They have to be out there every day. That, that you know, because other things are inhibiting them from getting the help they need yes i would love to get a job but i don't have an address i don't have an address because i can't get into a shelter i don't have can't get into a shelter why because how many are in this city anybody how many shelters in the city
1: okay
0: let me ask it this way how many places are in conway that can house the homeless. Okay, so Bethlehem House. Coho. Mine.
1: You not Haven's. Not homeless.
0: Haven's not homeless. Women
1: be Women's shelter if you qualify. Women's shelter if you qualify. Right. Right.
0: So, so again, the capacity. Available to help the persons here in the city is home, that is, help persons who are homeless in the city is so limited. Their only recourse is to stand out on the street to get some money to get into a hotel for one night. Or, in some situations, speaking with the director at uh, the Faulkner County Library, many of them sleep out under the awning under the library, or they try to figure it out. So capacity is the other issue that drives persons to stand out on a street corner. I gotta try to get this $60 a day. If not, I guess I gotta wait till December 15th when the warming station opens. But that's only for December through like February, I think. And then it's back again. So these are the realities that we face. And so the question becomes, how do we, as members of the city, create an environment where there's more opportunities for persons in situations like this to get off the street so that they can be on the road to whatever normal is for them? Okay. So Little Rock has been kind of successful with the homeless. Um, I think picking up trash and stuff.. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we looked into that um, at the task force level. And so uh, there are some uh, ordinance things that prevent the city from doing it that way. Uh, so what we came up with, uh, we created a program in which uh, persons from Bethlehem House, Hope Home, uh, anybody that's recommended to the city, the city kept positions open for where those individuals could apply for a job, so they've got an address, they're staying somewhere, they've got a recommendation, and then their application, they put in a city application for jobs like any of us would. Uh, then our committee would look over those applications and um, you know, choose the best one, forward them up to be voted on. And then uh, we've had success stories of, of persons um, getting hired and on at the city, parks and rec, sanitation, so on and so forth. Uh, but what's going on in Little Rock will require uh, some changes city level. Um, you know, they've, Little Rock has done that. Memphis has done that. Um, city uh, Phoenix, I believe, also has done that. So, again, there's uh, those opportunities that are available. We just got to do that, figure out the legal uh, work, because that's government mon- um, you know, taxpayer dollars that are being used and has to be used in accordance with legislation. Yeah. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Um, Jacqueline, to kind of go back on what, what Phil was talking about with resources, that is one of the main things that people don't know. Uh, so just so that you all know that uh, there are CAPCA, Coho, to- to- Ministry Center, Bethlehem House, United Way, all have lists with food boxes sources that are in with all the churches that are on the days, the weeks, and stuff. So if you can point in those directions sometimes. Uh, but the, he's right. The key thing is talking to folks and knowing their situation and not assuming that they're all the same. Same situation, I think, is, is definitely the key there. You know, um, we can't help everybody, but everybody helps somebody. Right. So I, I appreciate you sharing what you do with us today. Um, Mike, thank you for visiting us today. Welcome, Jessica, to the club. So glad to, to have you here with us. Uh, are there any other announcements before we leave? Just one more reminder that the cups today will go to our waitresses here, and we appreciate them more than they can know for keeping with us week to week and you're doing such a great
0: This has been the Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org. Or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, We can do the impossible.